0: I think we're live i Triple checking, making sure, double double because my preview winner is massively behind. Uh, hello and welcome to the Wrestling Headlines NXT review. Finally got the name of the site right. My name is Matt Mayer aka Imp, and we are live on YouTube and also in podcast form. Links in the description or head over to WrestlingHeadlines.net uh, Triple, triple checky the sound. Yep, yeah, I'm seeing a bar, that's good. That's always good news. Anyway, hit up in the comments or whatever. Uh, for your views on NXT this week. Pretty again another seti uppy show, nothing massive, nothing incredible, nothing blowing out blowing your mind, but then it wasn't crap either, it flowed by relatively fine. Continued to set up Pat McAfee and his Merry Men. Again. A phrase and a name that Wade Barrett gave them last week, and I fully as a someone from Nottingham, the name Pat McAfee's Merry Men, I <laughs> give the thumbs up of approval. But the name of tonight's show is that we have a new North American champion. And I use that as my example of setup show. Not really anything to clickbait you with. <laughs> there isn't any massive title or anything. And just, yeah, we've got a new champion. It's rough. <laughs> so, uh, just to jump right into it. Johnny and his Wheel of challenges opened the show. And uh, Johnny's adamant on reversing the curse. Where he doesn't lose on the first defence, damn it. With the amazingly awful pun, where there's a wheel, there's a way. Clive from The Rick and Clive Show will be proud. After spinning the wheel, uh, it goes back and forth. It goes left and then right and then right and then left. And it ends up on Leon Ruff, a, a young upstart who I think he impressed in a little showing he got uh, maybe like a month ago. I can't remember it was. And, but it was this one way it was essentially, you know, making someone else look strong. But he got a little flippy. He got it—not flippy. He got his uh, evasive stuff. Where he bounced off the ropes. He did all that, so he got that stuff in before he then got clobbered and turned inside out. Uh, but how fortunate is it that the wheel landed on NXT Young and Leon Ruff? Like, I can never predict a bit. It was just going round, and it, it was just going all over the place. It could have landed anywhere, and it lands on Leon Ruff oh, of all the places. Uh, it's the weakest contender on the board. Now, how lucky is Gargano? And yes, Johnny fixing the wheel to defend against a young lad who's. Currently, pretty much the enhancement talent, we'll call him. But, but, Gargano then loses anyway. So, I've seen a mixed response to this. Probably because it is like Leon Ruff won because, like, shenanigans and stuff, and that is a big takeaway from NXT this week, which I'll get to after I've covered this bit. But, Johnny Gargano is distracted by Damien Priest and starts not focusing on Leon Ruff. And, if you're sticking, I guess, with NXT history and all things, Leon Ruff has been able to get look-ins against opponents. And this time, Johnny Gargano wasn't paying attention. And that was enough to get Ruff a win. Like, he took Ruff for granted. He ended up paying the price. They're fully focused on Damien Priest instead of his opponent. Because Priest was watching on from behind the plexiglass. Uh, Johnny, massively distracted, first of all, mocking the former champion. oh, I'm Damien Priest. Oh, blah, 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 blah. Who then just walks out from the plexiglass to like the open bit. And yeah, spooks Gargano, just like, (laughs) and uh, yeah, back in the ring, Gargano got caught a bit with the uh, evasion, but he eventually turned rough inside out. But the second massive distraction with Priest on the ramp, Gargano then got flipped back with a nice crucifix pin. And not our first uh, distraction and someone gets caught a crucifix pin, specifically crucifix pin as well (laughs) on the night. Uh, Yeah. And it, the whole segment kind of ended with a comedy spot, really, where with Priest lifting Ruff's hands up in championship se- championship celebration for the belt to fall down, like like his trousers were falling down, type of thing, just because he's there's so there's not much on him, there's not much on that Leon Ruff lad, and that was the, yeah the kind of little gag of oh this kid has won the championship because of oh, Johnny Gargano <laughs> choking, <laughs> as Damien Priest put it afterwards. And again, I've seen a mixed response. Me. My immediate thought is it's a little comedy thing and it's really enhancing the storyline of Damien Priest and Johnny Gargano. Because that was the big ball that uh, happened after the match. That was the big setup. that was where the two uh, antagonists were angry at each other. But I do understand the other side, which really are not massive fans of this, because, you know, importance of lineage of championship. Now there's this young kid. It really could become something later down the line. But right now, he's an enhancement talent and he's won this championship gold. Where really, you can get across the same storyline just without the title on the line. Like, Does it have to be on the line? Again, the story is of Johnny Gargano getting all cocky. Of yes, I will defend the championship and it's something of his own devising. He tries to fix it. He tries to not really have to defend his title. And because of that, he pays the price. So it is karma, in a way, coming up for Johnny Gargano. And it continues the storyline of... He loses every first defence, uh, so yeah, keep that alive. Although, uh, I will not be surprised if we get a rematch between Gargano and Ruff, maybe even next week, I'll go, and Gargano just beats him clean, and Ruff has like a one week reign, and then you're back to Gargano, but technically, and he has the title for a little bit longer to next takeover, but technically, he did lose. <laughs> so, they have. They, there is that. But yeah, so afterwards as well, a Priest was backstage and gave the lad his car so he can get out before the irate Johnny stormed in. Which he did, Van in exclaiming that everyone knows that Johnny hates wheels. <laughs> like, I would never have come up with something as stupid as that. And of course, in the promo, to you know, so open the show that like everyone knows that Johnny loves wheels, and here we've got an amazing wheel. <laughs> it's, uh, it's one of the, that's one of those running gags that does get a laugh at me out of me every time Johnny Gigano kind of flip flopping. Like everyone knows Johnny hates wheels. <laughs> is, yeah, I'm a fan of that. But second so overall. For really end up being a foreshadowing for the rest of the show, and this is where my like little criticism came in, and I think I saw some slight jabs about it on uh, social media afterwards. Again, I've not watched Dynamite because there's so much wrestling to get through that I get stuff when I get stuff. But with NXT, there was one match that didn't end in a like screwy finish of some sort. One match without without somebody running down. I say that's where actually that's a better way of putting it. There was one match that ended without any ringside interference but then immediately afterwards there was a ball and people ran down. And the other match I'm thinking about, the Cruiserweight Championship, which I'll be covering next, that match had people at ringside interfering then they were kicked out then you got your finish at the end which was a you know, heel doing a strong counter then you get your post-match beatdown. No, did even get a post-match beatdown. That was just lost if I right. But it really hit me throughout the show. It's like... Just like it, feel, it felt like ma- the majority of the matches... Uh, and again, I've recapped it and two matches didn't. But the majority of this show felt like it was a match with a run-in, with an interference, and uh, so many matches uh, just ended with screwy finishes. And it's just like, this is why I have come to really like AEW. It's one of the major positives, is you so rarely get screwy finishes. Like you get a win. Those wins and losses are protected. And that's what, uh, with the more sports-centric thing for me, that's kind of what it is, where wins and losses matter. It's a lot lower key than what people were expecting, it would be literally presented like a sport, but just wins and losses being protected and mattering. Uh, that's a huge deal. And I don't just mean uh, the consequences that come afterwards. What I really mean is the result of the match. You don't get screwy finishes. There's been, I think, one DQ in the entire history of AEW if I might, and like that's and you look at NXT and my point tonight is all but one match <laughs> ended without any ringside interference and then there was a ringside interference immediately after it's not called interference after the match but it was like a brawly thing afterwards. That's that's kind of like my case in point of like wins being protected for me in AEW that is starting to reap rewards now where you just into that era of uh, like contenders being brought up and. Uh, you really feel they really, like the champions feel strong. The the challengers feel strong because <laughs> they've had to get wins to get there. It's a it's a whole great kind of circle. And NXT for me, massive massive con that only one match ended without there uh, being anybody jumping in at ringside, and only two of uh, two matches in total throughout the show had like zero in zero like somebody else ran in or somebody else who wasn't in the match interfered or wasn't there for the start of the bell because. Uh, the Legado uh, Del Fantasmo, they had the two guys at ringside, Val Mendoza and Zima Ion. I've forgotten his name in the uh, in WWE. Uh, sorry, NXT name generator. Joaquin Wild, that's it. So those two at ringside, they were jumping about and then come back for the second half of the match and they're being kicked out from ringside. And that meant that the rest of the match really was just Escobar and Atlas. And uh, so at least there was that. But again, majority of the show... Was run-ins and interferences and non-finishers. It was... It hit me. Like, it got me after a while. And I've been nothing... Like, with these NXT reviews, like, I really am nothing but positive. And I guess, to be fair, uh, when I talk about these cons and things, I'm judging both NXT and AEW on a much higher level and bar of criticism than I am the main roster WWE. Because more often than not, with main roster WWE, I'm criticising what I would assume were basic things. But clearly they're not. With... NXT and AEW, they just nail the basics, so I'm criticizing other stuff. I could be a lot more nitpicky. <laughs> and for me, uh, this felt a bit more like a basic thing of wins and losses mattering. As in, for me, this is is this the main roster influence where you just don't get any finishes anymore? Because that's what happens on Raw, and it's kind of put me off a bit. But with AEW, if wins and losses are protected, it really does it really help the show overall <laughs> with that thing Uh, the issue with the main roster is you feel like a lot of the time the matches don't really matter The continuing storylines, the result of the match doesn't actually matter you're seeing the storyline continue and that's what matters with AEW, no, the result does matter and in NXT it was the same as well but this week, this week was different because there were so many interferences and it's just setting up a continuing storylines with very little wins and losses actually mattering apart from Leon Ruff, but again He's not the story. <laughs> Damien Priest is was the main story of that. He was the main antagonist. Leon Ruff was just like his proxy, essentially, in that match. So again, I've got. Yeah, i got a lot of criticisms for this show. And this might possibly be my... When I say it's my least favourite, what I mean is I still really enjoyed it. I still watched it, but I had. I actually had gripes of it when I finished. And I, I very rarely have gripes of NXT. I might have a couple of cons, but overall I enjoyed the show. This show, I still overall enjoyed the show, but I did actually come back with a couple of notes of negatives. Like, oh, that's not happened before. <laughs> so that's why it stands out to me, and it's good that that stands out. It's good that this feeling isn't the norm, where I'm just talking, just like, yeah, there were no finishes. That's, hmm, that's irritating. <laughs> that's, that's a shame. Anyway, so I'll go through the rest of the card in order. Actually, after I've had a sip from my New Day mug. Ooh. This would be a great point to have my own mug to plug. But <laughs> no. Yeah, WWE getting free sponsorship. Mm. Free advertising, that's what I meant. So the NXT Cruiserweight Championship with Santos Escobar and Jake Atlas was one of our two matches with, I'll call it, clean finishes. A half-decent second title match of the night. Yeah, one of the more broadly Cruiserweight bouts of the NXT era. Like, I've been used to like high athleticism really fast-paced, whilst... This was a lot more brawly. Uh, that means it's probably lower down on my favourite list of Cruiserweight matches. To be fair, this past year they've had they the level is amazing. Like kicking off with Angel Garza versus Leo Leo Rush. That's such an incredible level <laughs> to be kind of trying to match to. But yeah, it was it is what it is. Uh, earlier in the day, Atlas once again tacked a legato with a lead pipe in the parking lot. Even in broad daylight, that parking lot is dangerous. Escobar angrily kicked and grounded Atlas at the start of this match, whilst the babyface was showing his perseverance fighting back. If anything, Atlas feels like nice and different to the other cruiserweight competitors we've seen. Just showing no hesitation to take on a brawl, or attack, or a lad with a weapon. Just like no holding back. Uh, following up with an awesome springboard blockbuster, but it was the baddie champion who really escalated the athleticism. Again, Nice and a little bit different. Uh, Frankensteiner off the ropes, uh, flying off the top for a close fall, like showing us he's cruiserweight champion for a reason. A bit of a messy couple of minutes uh, shortly after, with Escobar rebounding off the ropes for Jake to not be on his feet for anything. So he just slid under the bottom rope and gave him a punch to the back. Then a nasty dive to the outside, with Atlas ending up stretching like a rhombus star. (laughs) The photo is on WWE.com. But they got it like peak (laughs) mid-flight, with this kind of uh, star image on Photoshop, just stretched, like, oh. (laughs) So, yeah, not super safe. Anyway, uh, they got it back together pretty quickly, though, and we had a lovely run to the finish. In the end, Atlas rotated off that top rope for the now-donned Cartwheel DDT. Again, LGBDDT is going to be difficult to top. Uh, that's, that's such an amazing name. <laughs> but yes, Cartwheel DDT. Uh, but Escobar caught him and hoisted the lad up and down, head first, onto his knee and scored for three. Did not mean for that to rhyme. Uh, yeah, a solid match. If like, not, I won't I wouldn't call it anything spectacular, but they did introduce like a more of a brawly feel, which sets it apart from a lot of the Cruiserweight matches. Doesn't necessarily set it apart from a lot of the matches on NXT, though. Uh, that's why it kind of f- falls apart bit for me. It was different in terms of Cruiserweight, but it wasn't different in terms of NXT. So it kind of blends in a bit. Uh, Great to see some strong character from Atlas. He's a baby face who's not an idiot. A trend we're actually seeing in WWE this past year. So good to see that continuing on other parts of the show with different characters as well. So yeah. Decent stuff, I'll say. Uh, Shotzi Blackheart VTR on Candice LeRae. She's looking to kick her ass. And that's pretty much the attitude of the entire VTR. (laughs) Next up... Speaking of kicking ass, Raquel Gonzalez was meant to face Jaya Lee, and uh, instead we get Bo, who walks out in his suit. Uh, He informs Gonzalez that Jaya is not here tonight and is all apologetic. So she kicks him in the head instead, uh, taking it all out on Bo, launching the poor lad all over ringside, reminding him that Jaya was the one who asked for this in the first place. That get your my name out of your mouth, and it's under that attitude where she's just incredibly pissed off that Jaya didn't even show and afterwards uh, Bo was beaten in the ring when the lights went down to an all like black and red a white dragon flied around the Tron and immediately i'm like hmm are they about to do the accuser thing is this a accuser thing and immediately i just thought the chinese competitor asks for a story Cause that's the news coming out that uh that jaylee was getting frustrated that she wasn't like getting anything really to chew, to to actually do and then the first, the first storyline they come up with for the Chinese competitor is a Yakuza storyline. Of course, what else were they gonna do? <laughs> uh, it's like, of course WWE, of course they do that. Uh, anyway, I'm not. I don't know how much um, like, input and say the actual wrestlers get. For all I know, the like, Chinese had a big input on this. I don't know. It's just, it just made me laugh that, of course, the first storyline, proper storyline WWE give to one of the Chinese wrestlers is a Yakuza storyline. That's like literally, it's like it's when I think of like what would what would an old man if he hears China? What would be the only thing he thinks <laughs> in terms of what storyline could I write for a Chinese actor? <laughs> yes, it's Yakuza. But yeah, so that kind of made me laugh. Uh, but yeah, an old lad walks out, handed a note to Bo, and marked his hand, so he's marked for something. Whatever that means, I because he's failed, and Jaya now he's paid the consequences as well. So yeah, so whoever that old lad was again, it's very very different. It's a bit strange. The old man <laughs> coming out, uh, just yeah. I, I, again, I'm, I'm more worried that this is doing Yakuza stuff than it is. Than it, it, maybe it's if it, if it was if it was some group that was just using loads of Chinese influence. Yeah, that'd be cool. It's on me. Uh, is there a Chinese Yakuza? I just realised Yakuza's Japanese. It's <laughs> pretty bad on my part. But it is a it is a, like a Chinese Mafia Yakuza storyline type thing. Anyway, the White Dragon. That's nothing. it's done me in because that's the same dragon I see on the Yakuza video games. So, yes, whatever the... it's just called a White Dragon? Uh, anyway, August, I'm going to just move on from there. Because, again, it's way too early to know what the hell's going on with this storyline. I hope to God they're not making it up as they go along. This week I got a little bit worried, but... Hopefully, again, NXT, I just trust NXT a lot more than the main roster. Because on the main roster, we have seen that week-to-week booking. And it's, you, you do a big storyline, and then it very quickly, evidently, is nonsense week-to-week. It doesn't really link. Uh, this Again, with NXT, I trust that they're doing something. So even if it still doesn't really make much sense, I feel like, they feel like it's still telling quite a slow reveal on the storyline. That every week, something is revealed. Something happens next. Be it just a character... Having a certain mannerism towards a response for something like Jai has been doing, or like this week with a full-on lights down white dragon across all the time across all the boards and lights. Old man walks out, marks his hands. (laughs) Like, okay, this is weird stuff, but it's uh, it's it's NXT, so I trust that it's going somewhere. Of course, in this new era, with a different, totally different like biting teams and things, a lot more TV focused. Jesus Christ, got something in my eye. (laughs) Yeah, it's a. I I hope to God that the kind of week-to-week booking of the main roster doesn't influence NXT. Because, uh, again, NXT and AEW really benefit from, you know, having some form of plan of where they're going. And you really feel it when you watch it. So, anyway, August Grey was starting an interview, but he got walloped by Thatcher instead and launched into a picture that we had seen Loomis drawing earlier. Uh, Dexter then walks in, stares all unhappy, and I guess that's our setup for a match. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, yeah. So if you watch this and then you criticised AEW for doing the video game thing, for like an arcade machine got broken, that's set up for their match. It's like uh, uh, glass houses. <laughs> it's just throwing stones from glass. Yeah, stones in glass houses. I think that's the say like, yeah, they both do corny stuff. <laughs> Again, I watch NXT, I watch AEW, I enjoy them both. I just happen to review NXT every week, so I watch AEW quite often post haste, and I have a lot of stuff spoiled for me. So, uh, yeah. Anyway, Tony Storm versus Candice LeRae. Thumbs up, massive, massive thumbs up for this. Uh, Vic Reeves on commentary calling this a takeover worthy matchup. And that it is. Uh, the two had a solid match, a uh, back and forth with both lasses down after wearing each other out in the second half. Uh, before the ad break, I, I guess it was. I couldn't tell if it was a story thing or not. Uh, before the ad break, Storm hip attacked the steel steps with uh, Candice LeRae moving out of the way. I forgot her name for a second. But Seth Rollins' style, she Tony Storm doesn't really mix up her offence after running into those steel steps. Instead, willingly choosing to hit a leg drop off the top rope. <laughs> just, but you just ran butt first into the steel steps and you're like, ow oh, my butt. And then you get in the ring and she went for another hip attack going, ow oh, my butt. <laughs> and it missed. And then went for the leg drop as well. I was like, you just don't, don't do those moves. <laughs> You've hurt your bum. Don't fall on your but <laughs> Storm, oh that's no, why I'm jumping ahead of myself. Uh, but in the end it was the cheeky pixie rolling up Storm with the legs on the ropes that scored a sudden win. I, I really, this was a fantastic TV match. It did everything that I would want it to do. This isn't your incredible match where they go 20 minutes and give it everything. This is we will give you a taste of how great they are in the ring but then there's a sudden finish or something and then it goes quickly to a story thing so you don't actually get the match. It was great, yeah. And for me, it's building up for Io Shirai versus Tony Storm after Io Shirai, Rhea Ripley. Yeah, go for it. Yeah, I'm up for that. Uh, I mean, unless they want to do Ripley versus Storm, but this time for the NXT Women's Championship, uh, maybe that can nice it up, nice little callback moment. Personally, I'd quite like, I feel like Rhea Ripley is so ready for the main roster that she could enter like a wheel spinning thing or if she could elevate the others before she goes, I mean, the issue is you need to know she's going up. And that's the issue with the main roster where it's just so on the fly that you can't, you can't write NXT like that. I mean, that's something I've only just thought of. It's not in my notes for anything, but just that thought of, will NXT, just a random question, will NXT suffer from the main roster just having no set plans on things? Because if you're NXT, then how do you plan your own storylines investors wrestlers if you've got no idea who's getting called up and then suddenly on a whim you've lost three or four superstars? How do you, <laughs> is that going to have an effect long-term? Like, Ray Ripley, is she going somewhere? Like, for me, she's in a fantastic position to elevate everyone else as she leaves. But you can't guarantee she's leaving. (laughs) Like, who can guarantee what's going to happen? I mean, she could just do that. There's more than enough time to elevate Tony Storm, elevate Raquel Gonzalez, which she's been doing. She was doing it for Mercedes Martinez before she got called up and then has been missing ever since. Not on TV, on any show. That sucks. Mercedes Martinez is great. (laughs) What's she doing now? Bring her back, please. Uh, but yeah, it's how a repeat elevate vote. Yeah, Io Shirai as well. The Dakota Kai, all of those, all those people. I guess even Jai Lee, <laughs> if you want to, or like, as a last kind of elevation for you. Oh, again, depends on how much time you've got. But yes. Uh, anyway, Tony Storm being elevated by Kenneth Ray here was great. Kenneth uh, Array with the cheeky win with her legs up on the ropes. But immediately after the match, you got some great kind of. Again, Babyface is not an idiot. Storm's pissed off and went straight for Candice after the bell when the Scream Master Lady came on down for the beatdown and uh, not even Shotzi sprinting down herself to go for ray could save the day. I've got so many vibes in this script. <laughs> uh, Beaten down again and with Shotzi's body down on the ground, Indy Hartwell finally took off the mask to reveal she is indeed working with the Gargano family. I had a little bit of a thought of... Well, the, my only question is, is Indy Hartwell the Scream masker? Is it Ghostface, what it's called? Is she Ghostface for both Johnny Gargano and Candice LeRae? Or uh, or was that a, a man one as well? Oh, I mean, I'm, I'm fine with it just being Indy Hartwell. And he kind of just dropped that she helped Gargano and she just helps Candice LeRae. That's fine. It's fine. <laughs> it's WWE. You don't do intergender wrestling. Again, with the AW Games and uh with their thing because again i was late. i was going i was late live on tuesday covering the monday so i was getting my days mixed up i was late live on tuesday because of the aw game stream they said it would uh one hour before i went live i thought that's fine ended up going live 10 minutes before I went live suddenly i'm 10 minutes late but on that stream they showed the aw game thing and for me it's a video game that's in pre-alpha so i wasn't taking any stock in the graphics really it looked like pre-alpha to me, as in this isn't what It's going to look like a- as in you take the kind of style that'll still be there, the kind of uh, the what it shows, <laughs> as in you'll be able to fight as one versus the other, and the big part being Hikaru Shida came in and attacked Kyo It's got intergender wrestling, so the first wrestling game in God knows how long like, you can do that in. I want to say some of the old Attitude Era games did that, but I can't be- can't guarantee that. WWE, so we don't do intergender wrestling. Ah. Anyway. Yeah, uh, point. I, I've drifted from my point. <laughs> I don't know why I bring up intergender stuff. It's maybe because Indy Hartwell, she helps out Gorgano, but she's a female wrestler, and you don't do intergender wrestling, so you've accidentally set up something you're not going to use, unless Indy Hartwell works as a like sudden distraction type of thing. I uh, grab a leg and disappear because the male competitor can't hit her or anything. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's easily work roundable, it's not the end of the world. Uh, Timothy Thatcher versus Dexter Loomis. Uh, at least they didn't hold off a week for this match, and then they do the setup, and then well, now we're going to see what's going to happen when Loomis is all angry about his picture. It's like no, just just quicken into it, and like get it over and done with. That's my feeling with this. I was not excited. Just the thought of Thatcher versus Loomis. Hmm. Thatcher likes to wear down his opponents. Loomis likes to lay down and then suddenly strike and come back. So I was really worried for a really slow and <laughs> that I find really boring. Uh, Timothy was working and working the arm, uh, Loomis' attempts to at, at those fight back severely hindered. So you saw a logic behind it, which uh, at least was nice. In the end having to do practically his fight back one handed, was Loomis. Uh, Dexter in the end had the man in the clutch, but Gri- uh, Cameron Grimes, sorry I didn't say that right. Cameron Grimes, yee-haw, right on down to interfere, <laughs> knocked off the apron. But it was enough for Thatcher to score our second crucifix pin after a distraction win of the night. Uh, again as I was saying there weren't just a lot of distractions and non-finishers there were exact repetitions of finishers. like damn it d uh, again interference and scored with not just a roll-up pin but a crucifix pin the exact <laughs> same uh, kind of roll-up after a distraction So yeah uh, a bit more unique was what came afterwards uh, Grimes then put a sack over Lewis's head and beat him up over ringside uh, and afterwards it's all celebratory and he's going to the moon and all of that stuff so yeah I found the match I did find it boring unfortunately uh, I liked that Thatcher with his way down had such a strong logic to it and Loomis was actively hindered and I like that idea of uh, they keep kind of putting Loomis over as like a wild animal but I like that idea here where like, he's weighing down the arm but Loomis didn't really take it into stock really until he tried to use it and that's, that's something you like you see an animal do so I, I liked that <laughs> in a way uh, but still, I found it a bit... It was obviously a bit slow and boring, because the style of the two, it screamed it. This is You knew what was gonna happen, and it, that is what happened. Uh, Cameron Grimes injecting the interference life, and, yeah, it's fine. I don't really care about Grimes Loomis. I get to do my Grimes accent a lot. <laughs> so at least there's that, there's that pro. Uh, anyway, Johnny Gargano knocking on Regal's door. He's he's all calmed, he's all fine. Just like Regal Ass, he's gonna he's calmed down. And he asks very politely, for the rough match to get reversed. <laughs> just, it's just, it's just logical. It should get cancelled. It shouldn't happen. I fixed it. I rigged it. It's fine. And instantly back to anger when Regal obviously refuses. <laughs> uh, summoning his inner John McEnroe. Like, Are you freaking kidding me? <laughs> just now, like, I rigged it. It shouldn't be allowed. <laughs> like, yeah, I, mean, I loved everything about that. Uh, and people obviously making kind of comparisons to real life right now in America. <laughs> with somebody getting really angry and then just bursting out that I rigged it! It's <laughs> like, so, yeah. Uh, so it shouldn't count. So yes. But yes, Gorgano yeah, is all... all ready to get beaten by Priest, maybe? I don't know. He, he's going to beat Leon Ruff, maybe. I predicted next week even, just immediately switch the title back and then Damien Priest is going to uh, win it back off him. So Continue with the streak. You carry it over to Priest without... I guess hot-potatoing it between just the two people. He was dead hot-potatoing between three people. (laughs) Hooray. Uh, Tommaso Ciampa. Another fantastic two-camera promo. Uh, 16 years in this industry. And he again runs over the current NXT locker room, calling them all like bark and no bite, essentially. Uh, Like, maybe he's a bit old school. He doesn't need to tell you that he's tough. You just know it. And he brought up his trainers in Harley Race and Killer Kowalski, where they never told you that they were tough. You, you could see it. You could see it in them. There's everything about them screamed it. Um, and he says he's going to be the one to change that current dynamic in the locker room where people say they're tough, but then they go to the back and they complain, and that's how they get elevated and they're not and they're not actually tough. I'm actually tough. <laughs> so, like yeah, yeah, yeah. It's decent promo. Uh, we'll see what it's building to. And because uh, his promo worked well with his match against Dream, so we'll see how it works onto the next thing. Really fancy, big VTR promo on Ripley vs Shirai to get you excited for the match you're probably excited for by just the name of it. Uh, nice inclusion of the consequences of how Ripley's Wrestlemania journey ended up with the all the promise and excitement in the world but it took place with no crowd and no atmosphere and ultimately she lost to Flair. Compared to the ever-growing momentum of the NXT champion Io Shirai uh, the champ directly addressing how it's taken Rea months to recover from that loss. Like, hell of a big match next week. He is hoping that it doesn't get uh, interfered either. <laughs> That'll be nice. You know, after this week, a little bit worried. There were, like, so many matches with interferences and people running out. It'll be nice if this week, like, we didn't get... And again, In throughout the entire show, there was some ringside stuff in every single match, which is mental. <laughs> But at least with Lerae Tony Storm, it was like after the bell. So I'm being a bit mean, saying it was you know during uh, the only uh, yeah, it wasn't any matches because technically that one had the shenanigans after the match. It was uh, like a, out of nowhere, finished to set up for later stuff. But then he got shenanigans. Point being, only showed to have like zero just duh. da. Uh, for me, that was a bit much and it gets me a bit worried when they're hyping stuff where you hype a match and then you deliver a screwy finish. Uh, I start to believe in the hype less and less. Because I'm expecting a screwy finish. Or something to take me out of what's happened. Uh, so hopefully, <laughs> this is just a one-off. Hopefully it's not a main roster thing coming down. I'm going back onto the same tangent. Uh, so uh, that's, 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 yes, hell of a big match. And for the first time since TakeOver 31, the NXT champion Finn Balor will be addressing us next week. That's uh, so good to see the lad back. Don't know in what capacity. Is he going to vacate the championship? Who knows? Such bad luck with that title. And I guess if he does have to vacate it, they've uh, he's technically held it for a longer period of time, so it doesn't feel as back and forth as hot potatoes, as we're saying with the North American Championship. But again, like we know that they've had such bad luck with it, like he's not really gonna like run too harsh on them. I you know, don't know what they're gonna do to set it up if he does have to vacate. But if he, okay, best case scenario is he doesn't, and they can just go on with it now. On to the main event for this very, very quick review. The show wasn't really massive amounts to it. The NXT Tag Team Championships, Danny Burch and Only Larkin with Pat McAfee and Pete Dunne. It's Pat and his Merry Men versus Breezango, Febreze, Tyler Breeze and Fandango. (laughs) I keep forgetting his name because it's always compacted and stuff. Uh, Pat and his Merry Men with a message beforehand. Once again, Pat calls them the best four-man group in all of professional wrestling. Uh, And just running at the RDMC, like uh, internet wrestling community, and it just he he just knows how to get to like the people on the internet. Essentially, I mean that's pretty much everybody now. Uh, But he just knows the right lines and things which will get people to react in a certain way, and he's nailing it. And like I was saying on Raw with Randy Orton uh, saying that uh, you saying to John Morrison that you went and wrestled in was it the B League or something like that? I can't remember what he said. You know, and that angered a lot of people online. But, uh, yeah, again, it was a, a line exactly designed to do that. And it got exactly the result. Like, well done. <laughs> Congratulations. Uh, Pat, again, is also fantastic at that. And uh, Pat was on commentary for our main event. Of course he gets on with Wade Barrett. Yeah, Pat McAfee, friend of the English. That's what I always say about Pat. It's friend of the English is our Pat. <laughs> we like our Pat over here. Uh, Febreze, all serious for their title rematch. The main obstacle, the numbers game. A driven and flying with momentum, Pat's up as distraction on the apron with Fandango attempting to sunflip flip Lorcan, and we get our running interference of the match of Drake Maverick, who clobbered the bold lad to swing things right back. Pete Dunn clobbered the wee lad though, and chaos ensued for the final minutes. But it was something that aided our group of baddies more than anything. A high DDT to Fandango and the champs retained. Uh, But the beatdown after the match was the real sent message. Our lovely faces, one by one, gave it a good go, but every time caught and flipped over onto the announce desk, onto the ringside mat, like pain for all of them. Uh, The final blow being Pat McAfee's I guess a direct callback to his strike on Adam Cole. Uh, Pete Dunne draped Tyler Breeze over the announce desk for Pat to piss about. (laughs) This this is like (laughs) what he was doing. It made me laugh, I loved it. And he charged in with the Hunt to uh, completely take Breeze out. Uh, Pat and his main men once again dancing on top of the brand. Uh, again, United, United... United... Undisputed Era, just in their absence, you're really feeling it because of what Pat's doing. Like You're very aware that Undisputed Era aren't there. So whenever they do come back, it feels like a massive thing. Like They're building to a massive pop when Undisputed Era arrive. And again, in terms of massive thumbs up as well, it's... Turning Undisputed Era face without them even being there. It's like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's cool. But for me, that means that when they do come back, you don't necessarily, like, have to do a massive face turn moment. You just have them go after Pat and his men. They don't have to come out of massively different characters. They can be exactly the same, because they were cool heels anyway. So you just keep them the same. You just go after Pat and their faces. Yeah, and you got Strong versus done. you got your tag lads versus your tag lads. It's, it's all set, it's all set. That yes, uh, yes. Part main men continue to be built really strong. Again, just awaiting the unspeakable return. Could it be next week? Uh, maybe. I mean, it's NXT aren't as bad as the main roster, but in this again, as I was saying this week, something felt different this week, and it was the high number of false finishes. And maybe I just noticed it this week. It just maybe I just felt it, uh, but that gets me a bit worried because that's some, that's a massive critique I have for the main roster, and have not really seen it in NXT. But this week I've really felt it. Yeah. but I still enjoyed the show Like it still flowed really well really easily, it, again it built up stuff really well uh, with all of what I've said, the fact that it's got a clear direction just means it's so far ahead of the main roster in so many different ways uh, you don't feel like you're watching something made up week to week like, you feel like when you watch the segment it's that there the next chapter is something where they already know where it's going and you're just watching the next thing, like it's written, it's prepared you're just watching the next bit of it that's something you get with AEW as well uh, so even with all those cons and me moaning a bit, I still really enjoyed the show. It still flowed by really well. I still recommend watching it. <laughs> it's NXT, another building block show. Nothing massive. Again, nothing to clickbait you with. <laughs> Literally nothing. They gave me nothing to work with. Uh, so, but new North American champion. So there's that. How long will his reign be? My prediction is one week, and he loses it next week. That's my prediction. Well, how long, do you do you reckon he'll <laughs> another upset maybe or something? Uh, how how long will his reign last? Or would it be someone else? Would it even be Johnny Gargano to upsert him? Will we get an actual run from Ruff? Does he turn into an actually good champion? Again, I'm saying these things. No. (laughs) The tone was set on this one where he's a comedy champion. Which, yes, can devour your championship, but it's just for a week. You can rebuild pretty easily. I mean, it's damage that will last a bit longer, but you can rebuild that perfectly fine. So, yes. Anyway, that's the end of the show. I've absolutely blasted through all of my notes. A very... Not When I say nothing, I mean it was a building block show. There's nothing absolutely spectacular. For me, massive con on the sheer number of interferences and run-ins and things. Yeah, it was, and distractions from folk. Again, the exact same finish of distraction into a crucifix pin in two <laughs> matches as well. Uh, yeah, kind of emphasises that point for me. So yes. And I've heard good things about the AW show, I'll get to it eventually. So uh, yeah, so... Wednesday night, wrestling, still delivering even though I've got that massive criticism right there, still enjoyed the show uh, and if you're comparing the shows, like again the major positive of NXT every single week is the women's division and that continues yet again There's so much depth to that division uh, and it's, it's just this week we saw Candice LeRae with her match with Tony Storm and Shotzi Blackheart running to do that, we've got Raquel Gonzalez as a beat, we've got whatever's happening with Jaya Lee. We've got a fantastic promo for Rhea Ripley versus Io Shirai like yeah, a lot to be excited for yeah, absolutely nailing it whilst in AEW that the women's division needs a lot of work but again the, overall the, the shows both shows are still fantastic i'm, I'm drifting off a bit <laughs> anyway thank you for the well, sticking with this nxt review i'll be back next tuesday get an actual break no pay-per-view this weekend as an englishman that is amazing that is lovely with the with AEW at the weekend i went to sleep about 9am after doing aftershock and after getting it all out of the podcast form or whatever so it's really nice this week to not have anything. The Survivor Series the week after, which I will be live immediately after I'm with. But here, a nice, calm down, a tranquille weekend to get my energy back. Because I really desperately need it. I came so close to like not even watching NXT. I was just so exhausted. But you're lucky. You got 30 minutes from me. Anyway, I'll be back on Tuesday for the Raw review. Uh, like, subscribe, whatever. Remember to do all that stuff. and Watch the other stuff we've got here. As well, the All Night Long Wrestling podcast I think have put up their full gear review as well. If you want to go check that out, uh, and I, my own uh, immediately after the show as well, myself and man from the Kingdom of Honor podcast we did our aftershock for AW full gear, which was immediately after the show. So if you want to go check that out as well. So listen to a very, very tired Englishman and they gradually getting very, very tired American review the show as soon as it happened. That's there. And of course, All Night Wrestling Podcast where they've had some sleep first and then he's gone and done it. Anyway, I'll be back next Tuesday for the Raw Review. With that, say thank you for watching listening, whatever, five-star viewing, whatever you do. Follow me on Twitter, at the implicat. reading my columns, that wrestling headlines whenever I actually post them. Twitch as well, I'm live tomorrow. I think I'm streaming Shadow of War as well with that one. So you can watch me stream that. It's going relatively well. <laughs> That's uh, the... On Twitch, that is the implications with two S's on the end. So yeah, I might need to put the actual link, you know, on the screen. So sorry, I don't need to properly spell it every time. Anyway, with that, I bid you adieu. Adios. Ten... <laughs>